This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host. Joining me to discuss Villa's latest endeavours in the sweet FA Cup, as well as a look back at Wolves and keeping abreast of the latest Villa news, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome. I promised you that 2023 (laughs) was going to be such a great year for Villa, but uh, hey-ho, maybe 2024 will uh, deliver the goods. It lasted a day, we're asking. (laughs) It lasted a day. (laughs) Shall shall we just go straight to Emery out and uh, save ourselves two years, or maybe one year of suffering? uh, November 2023. Get it over and done with. God. You're not allowed to uh, criticise Emery at the moment. I noticed somebody replied to uh, one of my tweets about this uh, Stevenage debacle and said, uh, Emery in, per slow out, question mark. It's like people desperately mm. trying to find a scapegoat for this. You know, where, where can we find one? Well, there's loads of them, actually. But uh, yep. Anyway, coming up in the show, we will uh, get into uh, this debacle. We'll also look at the uh, the context of Wolves because we didn't really uh, get into that too much in something for the weekend. There'll be the three points, medium muppets. Before catching up with all the various bits and pieces of Villa news that have been happening over the last week or so. Right, how are you guys? Uh, oh, I'm terrific, mate. <laughs> how, how, you, how did you digest those final two or three minutes? I laughed on the second goal, I've got to admit. I mean... When they equalised, I did say, don't worry, we've still got time to lose this. And <laughs> I was proven right. Uh, the, the thing is, we uh, you would argue that our team was actually with five subs on and there were five of the it's first... better than the team uh, that started it. Yeah, it's better than the team that started and that's when it all kind of fell apart. Uh, but we'll we'll get into this. Uh, we'll we'll try to breeze through uh, the uh, first part of the show because we're obviously chomping at the bit to uh, get stuck in on this one. All right, it's time for some news to get things started. Shall we go for the Brazilian? Uh, it's Bolsonaro doing a bit of a Trump, isn't he? Storming Brazilian Congress, uh, Supreme Court, and the President's are, yeah. palace. Uh, sorry, his supporters. I didn't think. Uh, 
what happened in America would, would turn out to be some kind of blueprints to uh, wise things to do. It looks like their, their security is about as strong as the Villa backline. Let's go with the Villa news. Injury news. The only thing probably positive from the defeat against Stevenage was the sight of Jacob Ramsey is uh, back and at it after his hamstring. McGinn still uh, AWOL at the moment. Cash and Augustinson uh, both went off, so potential injuries there. Augustinson, it's like he's made out of butter. This is not the first time he's when he's finally started. He seems to have not been able to last 90 minutes without picking up something. It looks like a nasty one as well, that. Yeah, I said something in something for the weekend uh, against Wolves. There's, it seems to be like he's missing like 25% in, in aggression in terms of how he plays. And he seems, when he gets into challenges, he seems to come out worse. So, uh, I mean, uh, I'm past caring now, I must admit. Cameron Archer has moved on to uh, Middlesbrough. I think Cameron Archer, unfortunately, was a victim of uh, Villa not getting uh, as many League Cup games as they perhaps would have liked. And we only, you know, we we play a lone striker, and we have most of the season. Yeah, and the lone striker does not help uh, as well in terms of transfer rumours. There seems to be legs in the uh, the Alex Moreno, the left back from Real Betis. If it happens, it looks to be around the twelve million euros mark, but still not a hundred percent on this. I mean, I initially thought when I heard they were in for some left back, I thought it was uh, somebody who was younger. So it kind of made sense, like Ivory challenges Lucas Dean now, or he's you're planning one step ahead for the future to obviously take over from Lucas Dean, but to have it be pretty much the same age. I mean, Augustinson obviously is, is on loan, but it's a bit short term where you've got two 29-year-olds battling it out because it's better, wiser to have the uh, the natural uh, progression staged in there. I mean, obviously this would be uh, Emery's intel if it is true. Meanwhile, the Aston Villa owners have uh, put in 13 million uh, of shares, which is basically kind of raising capital to do something. And the last time this happened, it normally uh, links to something upcoming. Uh, I, th- I think it was it Gerard last time. Yeah, the last time it was to pay off Gerard and his staff. So yeah. you don't know it at the time, but in hindsight, it's like, oh, that's what that was for. Yeah, exactly. Emmy Martinez has uh, reportedly spent a good 20 grand or so on a guard dog for his World Cup sil- it's not silverware is it? It's goldware really, isn't it? Everything he won there was gold. Yeah. What dog has he got? He's got a Belgian Malinois guard dog. Apparently it's from a, a it got it from a company that that has been used by Michael Arteta, Hugo Lloris and Tyson Fury amongst others. But I didn't notice it in the pitch at Villa Park the other night whenever he paraded around with his gold medal. I mean, if his dog's worth 20 grand, you might as well cut your losses and try to steal the dog. Never mind that Adidas hand glove trophy. (laughs) Surely that's not made out of proper gold anyway. Meanwhile, the Villa ladies have uh, made a notable acquisition by signing Jordan Nobbs from Arsenal, the England international. She's 30 now, isn't she? She's perhaps she's not a prime mover in the Arsenal team anymore is she? Probably just getting to the twilight shall we say. Yeah. So uh, will obviously uh, be an upgrade. It's one of the paths forward isn't it for a uh, a women's Mm -hmm. team trying to uh, upgrade themselves is to uh, take the top players that are uh, 
probably uh, fading out the first 11 of you know the one of the uh, the top three teams so uh, we wish her luck the Villa ladies are actually back in action now after a winter break they entertain uh, Spurs at the weekend uh, they've also got a uh, Conti Cup quarter final away at Arsenal uh, to look forward to as well just finally uh, I was on a an Aston Villa fan consultation group meeting to uh, talk about the uh, formalisation of basically the fan consultation group under a different guise the Premier League this is half from the you know because of the pressures of the fan-led review the Premier League are now trying to get suddenly get their act in order to uh, try to avoid an independent advisor just to avoid being told what to do they are trying to preempt it by getting their house in order first so one way is to kind of regulate uh, what fan consultations groups mean so all the Premier League clubs have to put out a plan like a, an official plan and this should happen in uh, February to what the fan consultation adheres to and how it's going to be run and uh, you know when to expect reports etc look out for more details of that at the moment, you know, the discussions are very much in, you know, the formulation of it. So there's there's nothing uh, finished to uh, say at this point in time. Right. What's been happening in the press, Mr. Shaw? It's time for Media Muppets. Right. What have you got in the, uh, the trough this week, Philippe? Philippe Shorio? It's funny you should put it like a French tinge on it because the first one has uh, got a bit of a French tinge. It's a headline from hitc.com or here in the city.com, which is just, that's just shame. That. There's, there's no point. And that's yeah. just, but 40,000 a week, Aston Villa player post cryptic tweet ahead of rumored exit. Let me guess, let me guess. It's not that, it's not that little emoji tweet from Gilbert, is it? Oh, you, you got in one. I mean, <laughs> cryptic. I mean, what, what's cryptic about it? It's like a football and it's like a time glass and it's like praying hands. He goes, I want to play football soon. Well, the only way Gilbert's going to play football soon is if he leaves. So that's yeah. what's going to happen. Because if he couldn't get a game against Stevenage, he's, he's no chance of getting a game now. Yeah, speaking of Muppets, my my favourite thing is all this hoobalar about uh, Harry Maguire. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Oh. When people discuss this, do they actually think in terms of logic? No. <laughs> the fact that we've got somebody we spent like nudging 30 million on coming back hopefully from uh, his injury uh, it's going to be uh, early feb at a guess diego carlos then you've got mings Conza. you've also uh, you, you know you've got a loan in bednarek covering the end of the season and you've and you've got chambers as well did we rush out and, and drop money on a uh, like kind of a much maligned center back who's actually 29 going on 30 not unless you're going to play him up front, because I mean that's, that's the only place you could stick him for. Maybe to put a, some of those aimless crosses that are coming in. Maybe maybe he is the man to get in the end of a Matty Cash cross. He's the only man that can do it with the size of his head. But anyway, um, the, the missing line. link. But how desperate people are. I mean, and you know, then they start fighting. Uh, how can you dismiss him? He's never put a foot wrong for England, and uh, you know, we don't have that many years months weeks hours on this earth why waste it arguing over harry Maguire, who's not coming exactly bizarre despite everyone with a brain knowing that he shouldn't be coming to aston villa for the reasons that you've just given 
I mean, the Daily Star, Talksport, and others, they, they ran the headlines, which were swiftly deleted later in the day, saying things like Aston Villa are on the verge of sending defender Harry Maguire from Manchester United. He's out of favour at Man United, and Villa want the English international. More to follow shortly. Well, the more to follow shortly actually came from the Manchester Evening News and Samuel Luckhurst, their chief Man U correspondent, which he came out with sources close to Maguire and United said they have found the feverish speculation laughable after Maguire was supposedly spotted in Birmingham over the weekend. Maguire is believed to have gone to play a game of golf at the Belfry. So, I mean, that's all he has to do now. And this is what blows up out of it. Can you imagine if Birmingham was a real mecca for shopping, like nationally known? Everybody would come for their Christmas shopping. So any Premier League footballer or any footballer that got caught in the bullring in the lead up to Christmas, it would be straight in the local and national press as a possible Villa target. Maybe we'd finally get Benny McCarthy and Robbie Keane up front. Uh, and Dale Stevens. Steve Malbron And Juninho might finally arrive. I mean, the Hurry Maguire thing made me laugh, as did all the people discussing it, as a potential happening. But any media nuggets out there? Opta Analyst, the ones that do the Opta stats for the Premier League, had this media nugget after the Villa game. They said, Stevenage manager Steve Evans has now won as many competitive games as a manager as Unai Emery has at Villa Park. So that's one for anybody that's Ooh. keeping score. One out of four. He's he's had four competitive games, hasn't he, uh, Emery? Must include his uh, Arsenal uh, games as well. You, you're not allowed to uh, say anything bad about Emery unless, uh, if you're related to Villa. So this is why you know Opta, Opta stats are allowed to do such tomfoolery. Right, on to the three points. Our favourite FIFA president, Gianni Infantino. I feel like Stevenage today. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> he he has, as you may have seen, due to Pele's uh, passing, he has asked every football federation in the world to name one stadium after the late Brazilian legend. This is just him posturing. I mean, he you know he was taking selfies at bloody Pele's funeral uh, with his casket in the background, uh, which uh, I, 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 I mean it says a lot. You know, if you're taking selfies at a bloody funeral what kind of person you are so far not much of a uh, move i mean even the maracana stadium in rio uh, dismissed the idea of naming it after pele uh, like in 2021 cap verde and guinea bisu yeah they're the only ones that have said they'll do it so far I don't know what kind of stadiums they, they have there uh, off the top of my head. But uh, this is just somebody who's just, he's starting to like the limelight a little bit too much now. And uh, just, I think he should just be ignored from here on in. Well, he's just a grade A, grade A bellend, isn't he? <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with that. <laughs> I'll second that. Number two, is it Bupinda? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Bupinda. Sing Gil, Gil. I, I don't know how Gil. to pronounce Gil. Be Gil. Since Carlos Hill has uh, arrived on Villa's shores, no, that, uh, you don't know whether to pronounce Gil Hill. He's <laughs> like tra- changed something in my mind. That young Spanish <laughs> player, that little Spanish player. He's become the first Sikh to act as an assistant referee in the Premier League after officiating in the Southampton versus Forest game. His whole family is like it's like a family of referees, isn't it? Yeah, his brother's brother's still a ref, and his dad was quite a, a notable one, wasn't he? At yeah, his point. brother's just well. Actually, this summer joined the EFL uh, refs list, and his their father, Jarnail Singh, 
took charge of 150 EFL games between 204 and uh, 210, and he was the first uh, ever official to wear a turban in senior English football. It's quite funny to have a family of uh, referees. You can imagine what they're like when they play like games at Christmas, can't you? But they're so like pernickety. <laughs> <laughs> Just enjoy it. You know, like the competitive dad sketch in uh, was it Harry Enfield. I think they buy, buy each other like VAR systems for uh, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Point number three. A bit of a uh, fandango in American football uh, at the moment with initially alleged attempted blackmail of uh, the current uh, USA coach during the World Cup. Former USA captain... Claudio Reynas and his wife Danielle reportedly sent threatening messages to the US Soccer Federation threatening to leak personal information about head coach Greg Berhalter ahead of uh, the World Cup. The current uh, US boss recently came out to say, well, publicly, he admit to uh, kicking his wife during a drunken argument in 1991. He came out with that info in order to quash the blackmail plot which was made throughout the tournament. Rayner was apparently upset that his son and rising star Gio Rayner was only to play a bit part in the tournament. Uh, this came to light during the tournament uh, when uh, the US, the current US coach said he was he nearly sent the player home. And is this a quote? Yeah, that's what it, that's the words. What he described them as, he said that the player simply wasn't trying during practice and was some, being something of a baby. So he didn't name baby. Geo, baby, <laughs> you sound like a baby. You sound like that. Uh, what train spotting? No, the guy off uh, Austin Powers. Oh, fat bastard. Fantastic, yeah, <laughs> baby. Uh, I want my baby back, baby back, baby uh, back ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Was, he he just said it was about any player, didn't he? And yeah. uh, Rayner confirmed on Instagram that it was him. Is this this yeah. still this is still rolling on though in America, isn't it? This uh... it is because I mean, US men's national team is a bit like when you're an, a nation that hasn't like had decades of success, like any big players get remembered remembered, and they still carry weight outside the game. So Rayner still carries weight, and for him yeah. and his you know upcoming son to be in the middle of this, I mean, it, it is it's going to rumble on. Right before we go on, I uh, just want to give a big shout out to. Uh, two new My Old Man Said uh, members, uh, Craig Jones, who joins us annually. If you uh, join us annually, you get 10% off, which is just over a month free. Also, a big thank you to uh, Jessica Drake as well. If you become a My Old Man Said member, you get ad-free versions of the show so if you don't like ads it's a better way of listening to the show and obviously supporting the show at the same time you'll also get extra shows and membership of match club our 24 7 inner circle meetup if you are a current Myomensa member and have any issues uh, connecting up to uh, the members podcast channel or indeed match club do drop me a, a message via patron that's what it's there for so if you want to uh, join us in match club or get access to ad-free podcasts etc please do check out the the members link on my old man said or on the link tree in the bio of our social media as well thank you very much right then let's get into this problem of talking about other stuff like news or whatever it take, takes the sting out of where you wanted to go with this stevenage game We're really vindictive <laughs> <laughs> I thought we did a very good job on something for the weekend in terms of assessing the threats, the possible lineup of Stevenage and what they would do. And it was pretty much to the letter. 
Yeah. Well, we said they'd probably play a solid flat back five, and they did. Frustrated Villa, and when they got the opportunity, they caused us problems on the break. And that it would be a, a unique test for Emery with his Villa team so far in going about breaking a team down because we've played, let's say, reasonably decent teams so far. Wolves was more, you know, they, they pressed us and, you know, they pressed pretty high and they weren't just sitting back. So uh, it was a unique challenge uh, under Emery so far in terms of his team selection. Now, when I saw that team... I thought, wow, actually, we've got strength in depth now that we can actually play. Uh, I mean, there were, how was it, nine changes, I think there was. I think it was eight, wasn't it? You look at that 11 and you think, well, I mean, look at the front three. You've got Coutinho, Ings and Bailey. And you think about the amount of money spent on them. That should be more than enough to detonate Stevenage. Yeah. While it's wholesale change, while that 11 on paper, I mean, not only you've got those front three that, you know, their transfer fees in their careers cost more than the whole of Stevenage's history of buying uh, players. But behind them, you've got three players that played in the World Cup, and then you've got three additional internationals on top of that. But while uh, that 11 stacks up as uh, good enough to do the job individually, you're also talking about 11 that hasn't played together as a team. And that Stevenage team, as we kept saying on that the preview podcast, was a well-oiled machine. They've got, they've got a very, very small squad. They haven't been changing their team very much because they haven't been able to. They only had six subs. You could name, it was nine, wasn't it? You could have. And they spread the goals throughout the team. You know, their top mm-hmm. league scorers were, I think they were both on five, the two front guys. You know, there's goals throughout their back line, the centre-backs. And so when when I saw that many changes, I mean, we, the more I talked about it on the, the preview podcast, I was thinking, he's going to play Chambers and Bednarak. He's going to think they're better. Cash is going to come in. You're going to play Augustinson. And by the way, you'd probably play him anyway because Lucas Dean had a bit of a howler against the Wolves. Dendonker, I saw him coming in because I was thinking, well, at least with Bednarak and Dendonker, you've got more of a physical presence uh, in case Stevenage you know, do get a lot of free kicks. And I think after Bournemouth, I think in the Premier League, we give away the most set pieces. So they potentially would have been called into duty. And then your front three, I thought Coutinho would play and Ings would start. And then after that, you know, Sanson, I, I thought, you know, I thought he was out the door, so I didn't know if he would necessarily play. Bailey, uh, I think we said on the show, didn't we, that after that Wolves game, it's probably a good idea to give him a run out to hopefully get his confidence back. Yeah, that went well. That first 11, you thought, yeah, that look, it, it looks interesting to actually, you know, as a, as a spectator to watch. And to their credit, they took the lead. And Sanson, who uh, had a decent enough game by all, you know, yeah, by, by whatever yardstick you want to measure him by, and took his goal very very well yeah he did the one thing i would just say about sanson is he, he he almost looks like more slight than he did whenever he joined villa he sort of he he was quite easily sort of like knocked off the ball he did get a lot of rough treatment from the stevenage players but if you, you they say you um, by any means you judge him if you judge him by the rest of the players that he's playing with today you know he, he was easily probably one of the best players in the pitch one of in a villa shirt yeah when you when you say brushed off the ball easily i mean i, I must admit in the when i saw both of the teams lining up I, I was thinking i'm glad this isn't a fight like a fist yeah. fight yeah because uh, they looked like you know they'd uh hardened battlers uh i mean especially uh, the captain pier gianni uh he's he almost looked like a viking didn't he uh 
Yeah. Weather-warned face, tats and... Yeah, well, listening on the preview show, whenever you said Pierre Gianni, I was thinking this would be this cultured sort of Italian defender. And then when I actually seen him appear, I was like, oh, it's like something out of your rice, like yeah, it's something it, out of Vikings or Norseman. Again. You said all he's, all he's missing was the action shield. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't exactly the Stevenage Brazy, was it? But Villa, I mean... Where'd you, where'd you fucking start, really? The pattern I mean, of the, the game was uh, pretty much Villa controlled it. Well, we had eight, we had eighty percent of the ball for the first hour, but they were just taking too many touches. It was it was predictable build up, and uh, you know was was Stevenish frustrating them? I, I just thought it wasn't necessarily that. It was just Villa were a bit clueless. I thought at times and un- unwilling to play any kind of tempo. There was a few times where we had an out ball, and Matty Cash was just stood in the right back position, completely unwilling to get involved. Yeah. To lack of confidence, so I, I, I do wonder. Having seen how he went off in the end, I wonder if he was playing with a knock throughout. Yeah, because he's got to get out there to stretch that back five, just to kind of yeah, create get out space. The, yeah, you know, in between them. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a number of times where you know Augustinson was the, the the fullback bombed forward, but then the ball would get switched, kind of not quickly, but you know, at an okay tempo. And you think, go on, Cash, get involved, get involved and overlap badly. And he didn't. And because they're playing a you know a flat five at the back, if you don't overload them at any point, you make it really easy and everything was in front of them. And they yeah. were in the end trying to pass it through the eye of a needle. Luckily, the one time they did it was brilliantly done and, and Sanson scores what is actually a really good team goal. But you can't be having like you know one serious chance in a game like that, you know, they made fuck all all game for all the possession. They did nothing with it, and actually, you know, they went in at half time a goal up. But they did, you know, they'd clipped the top of the crossbar, and they'd had a goal ruled out, and that was from two or three sort of forays into the Villa half. Yeah, they they actually had the big chances where you actually thought, whoa! The only save I can remember their keeper making is you know the one where he dived and, and caught it. Yeah, it was off, and, uh, off Louise, wasn't it? Which was a very yeah. sort of tame effort token gesture you didn't you didn't feel the threat but when they had that shot that clipped the bar i mean the the uh the offside goal was i mean it, they had to think about that one it was pretty tight they did yeah yeah what a, what a notice from that offside goal was again even a league two team and that's no disrespecting even they know to attack down villa's right because yeah. that's where that shot that hit off the top of the bar came from came from cash's position but i'm starting to wonder now i mean is is cash the common denominator there or is it in front of him is it bailey in front of him is that why they attack down that side and nearly every team playing against villa attacks there i'd suggest that's the, the pairing it's the you know the, the combination yeah. of the two if we're being kind to them and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In terms of what do we need in the transfer window, we've been quite, let's say, uh, conservative in terms of what we would need because... Mm-hmm. You're looking at this team and the way it's performed, uh, you know, let's say in the Emery games only, and you're thinking, well, yeah, actually, you know, the Spurs result, the Manchester United performance, the Brighton away performance, and then against Wolves, they kind of got themselves out of jail just because of, you know, Emery's proactive changes. And you think, there's there's enough there, but if you identified it, what is our weakness? It has to be that right-hand side and, you know, a, a wider player to play there to A... I mean, you've got that situation where if you play, I'm just talking about the Bailey's positioning, where you kind of start on paper, it looks like a 4 4 2. So you're pressing with those two guys, and then obviously, he, uh, when you're defending, it kind of drops more into a 4 3 3, doesn't it? Or, a, mm-hmm. or even a 4 5 1 sometimes. Yeah, Bailey is like flexible. He's playing a, like a forward or on the on the right hand side, and that is the position you'd probably have to uh, address or give him competition. But he's a frustrating player because he, he he gives you that potential. You know, you saw it at Old Trafford where he, he waltzed through pretty much the whole team, and he does that. You know, probably once a game. But there's deficiencies to his game, and all, but also I think Cash as well. After a couple of games, you can you know change your agenda on a player. But it's been it's been a whole season now. If his his delivery is poor, and we're being caught out on that right hand side as well, it, it is a, an identifiable weakness. Yeah, and it's not it's not like complicated ticky tack of passing that's catching us out. It's a very simple. There's the space, hit the space, and the Stevenage player just you could see it coming. The Stevenage player, I didn't think he was offside until the the replay showed later. But once it went to him, you seen the other Stevenage player running through the middle, and it was just a simple pass through the middle and. Yeah, that was it. I mean, it's it's we're, we're being undone by you know real ABC football. It's not like we're getting undone by masterful player or anything. It's it's pretty straight up stuff. And most of the time of our own undoing, giving the ball away in stupid areas. Well, speaking of which, let's talk about their two goals. I mean, oh, at one 0 there was something lethargic about us. I mean, I was I think on the something like seventieth minute, I was about to tweet about Dendonka and say I've never seen a player just walk around the pitch and play with like zero intensity. It was something really casual about it, as if uh, he thought he was like a Harlem Globetrotter or something. It was with all of them, though, to be honest. But yeah, there was there, there didn't seem to be an intensity. That was the word yeah. with all of them on the pitch was casual. Like, ah, we'll just get the job done. If the whole game felt like an inconvenience to them, oh, we don't really want to be here. It just looked like the last 10 minutes they were like playing to see the game out, but in a half-assed manner. It wasn't like we're playing United or, and we're one goal up and like, let's close this down by, you know, spoiling the game, shit house three, whatever. It was just like, well, you know, we, it was just casual air about it when they really should be, you know, going for kill the game off, not uh, try to see it out. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to talk intensity, um, there wasn't a booking in the match until Dendonker's red card. I mean, yeah. that's that's you're you're expecting at least a couple of bookings somewhere along the line, but no, that's the pace the game was played at. And Dendonker, speaking of him, we need a new name for him, Big Daddy, Big Daddy Donker. I mean, there's been a few I've seen uh, on social media, but uh, we'll leave it there. It's just another example of. You're not getting you're not getting what you paid for. You're not getting what the player that you identified and who you've seen perform like that before. Well, no, hold on a minute. Let me let, before you get their axe out, uh, Phil Shaw. 
let's start from the pass out from Olsen, which this is a, there's a couple of things at play. What we're just talking about this kind of laxed attempt at, at seeing the game out. And it's everything, it's everything so casual. People, you know, players are walking around and then you start, you're doing the whole play out the back routine again. And Olsen's choice of pass to Dendonka, who's actually got two Stevenage players in his vicinity. I don't think Dendonka was expecting it to come back to him wasn't expecting to receive it in that position like centrally uh, on the edge of the 18 and then he was so casual about it you know think about i'm an international footballer i can just spin my way out of this it was just a disaster from start to finish in terms of the actual foul and people are saying well you know he he tugged his shirt outside the box was was there a two fouls though was it like that initial tugging and then he kind of brings him down and that's what the penalty was awarded for yeah that's exactly it it was it was two fouls the the tug outside the box but the stevenish player stayed in his feet and carried on so you could argue that advantage is played there but then he 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 just hacks him down in the box as well he misses the ball completely with a a wild tackle so that's it's doubly because i don't think you're going to get sent off for pulling the shirt like that it's the it's the second tackle but i mean belgium not you know they're not all they cracked up to be but you don't expect a a belgium international to be as lackadaisy as that and and so casual with it it was embarrassing you know you felt embarrassed for him i was actually at that point i was thinking well they deserve to be going to stevenage on a cold night play the same team see what they're made out of but no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as chris said at the start of the show there's still time to lose this and and they did and short corner nobody anticipated that never mind anticipated nobody reacted to it that was embarrassing and the guy couldn't believe his luck acres of villa park to run into and then you had a goalkeeper who's going to give uh de gea a run for the money as the worst near post keeper in the premier league unbelievable yep. Well, I mean, there's a there's a still you can pause the the replay of the second goal, and the ball is almost with the Stevenage player, and Olsen is you know giving his arm signal that the ball's coming into the box. Nobody's looking in the direction where the ball is. I mean, yeah, it doesn't take a tactical genius to like stay awake, stay alive to the short corner. I mean, you you learn that in primary school, and he could park a bus in the space between Olsen and his near post. I mean, this yeah. is, these are fundamental goalkeeping errors that we've we've seen from Olsen a bit too frequently i mean you know every keeper will drop a clanger here and there but olsen's hardly played any games and he seems to be doing them in every game i think we're gonna have to go with what dan rogers says about him said about him in the christmas specials yeah yeah what he's absolute dog yeah what does it say about swedish goalkeeping because he's just after running the the best goalkeeper the best swedish goalkeeper for the seventh year running he's the only one he's the only one <laughs> I mean, i've been keeping my mouth for those who clearly aren't in the room, I'm sat here trying to think what to say with my head in my hands still, trying to actually, <laughs> like, I'm trying to compute how to, without just having a, like, a incoherent rant of expletives, because there's very few games with Villa, even if they lose, where no one comes out of that game with any credit. Someone normally comes out of it with a bit of credit. Maybe Sanson gets a, a, a little bit, so fair enough, you get one. He, he got a swan song goal before his first and yeah, last for that, the Villa. it felt like a bit of a swan song to me. It was like, well, we'll give you an hour because Marseille are in the stands and want to just make sure you can still run. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm, I'm almost tripping over my words. It's just, I was staggered at how casual the whole thing was, how it's both... I, I was, do you want me to help you, Chris, and, and give you one player that summed up the whole thing? Philippe Coutinho's shooting. Horrendous. That summed Fucking up horrendous. Villa's attempts at beating Stevenage. There's actually the two things, and I like, and I, I really want to like him at times because he's, you know, but the shooting was one thing. 
And I've taken the piss out of Man City in the past for this. And Villa have done this on steroids. It was the, how many passes can we have? Him and Louise were dicking around with it like they were playing in the garden. It was just like, what are you? I mean, I actually really like Louise. Of all the players in recent months, he's come out of the last few months in the Gerrard transition with a lot of credit in the bank for me. So it's kind of rare for him. But it was just like, let's all have an extra touch, shall we? Let's all just dick around with the ball. Well, let me give you some stats to back up what you're saying. We've been doing, doing this podcast how many years? And, you know, I always keep an eye on touches. You know, we had the touch count. For, so it's always some something I've always had my eye on. I've never seen a Villa player with more touches in a game. And this is just based on what I've you know <laughs> seen. Douglas Louise, 139. Now, if you're getting near 100, that's a lot of touches. 139. That's like that's enough touches for two games. Sometimes and three. Most of them were unpressured. Dendonka, 95. Now that's that's a lot. So those two deep deep sitters seeing a hell of a lot of the ball. Too much of the ball for my liking. What I saw, you know, we'd had 80% of the ball the first hour. We'd done nothing with it other than the goalie picking the ball out of the net. What did he have to do for most of the game? Even in the second half, you know, first, what, 10 minutes of the second half, I thought we started pretty well. And you thought, oh, this is, we'll kill the game here. We'll be done by an hour. Get the second goal, it would have killed the game. Coutinho, 65 minutes on the pitch, 88 touches, which well, is a everything lot. Went through him. But I don't want to see Coutinho picking the ball up on the halfway line. The headline start is the problem, isn't it? Danny Ings. 16 touches in, yeah. 71, in 71 minutes. Get him the Against ball. Stevenage. Yeah. Didn't have a shot. Yeah. Well, they all did nothing. We did say on the preview pod that this is not going to be a walk in the park and, and it will be a close game, but that's not... We, half of it was because we know Stevenage are a well-drilled team. And, and by the way, when they get promoted, they will also uh, do well in the first first division as well as long as as they keep the nucleus of their team league one but uh a lot of it was down to this villa team hasn't got the nous to uh obliterate beat stevenage by four or five goals there's no way that was going to happen just because of those two factors how often have we said if you if you wildly open up against villa you're going to get battered and teams have look at what brentford did when they came or the you know times against man united and at various times this season we've really taken it to teams Stevenage were always going to turn up and put a flat five, you know, and maybe let the front three try and win win the game and cause us a few problems. By their time known, well, Villa will make a mistake, and they did. Bearing in mind, it's not the first time we've seen this playing out from the back. We saw it in the mid-season friendlies. We saw it in the Villarreal game. We saw it against Liverpool. We've seen it in all these games so far, really bar Spurs, who didn't press the ball a lot. We're not there yet. It is, there is a process, but... The process, you kind of forgive and go, right, you're going to make mistakes to get there. But not not in this situation. Fair enough. You playing a Liverpool, Manchester City. You're under real proper top level pressure. You, the odd pass might go astray, and it might lead to a goal. Understand that. Not ideal, but there's a process to get where you want to be. Not in games like this. Not when you're ahead. Ten minutes to go. You're not dicking no. around at snail's pace in your own eighteen yard box. No. Bearing in mind, I'd get them playing like that. If you tune it up and you kind of go, oh, you've given away a stupid consolation. Well done. It's more nervy than it had to be. It happens. But when you want to look against a professional football team, you know there's a chance that one mistake can lead to a goal. And then when that mistake happens, that was what? It was about three minutes to go, if I'm right in saying. Three, four minutes to go. Plus yeah. the eventually the six of stoppage time. Now, if you're Villa there, you kind of go, if you've got Martinez, Mings or something like that on the pitch, you... You made your mistake, you refocus, and a good side in that position goes, right, we switch it on now for the next few minutes, and you go up your end, and you absolutely throw the kitchen sink at them, and you probably score. But Villa aren't at that point yet. No. Because we still don't know how to chase a game. We've, we've there was only one winner, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I sort of joke, you know, as I said, 
you know, we can still lose this. And it, it came as no surprise. Yeah, but what, what sums up for me was the, the five changes that Villa brought on, brought on like five starters. But what some of it was, look at Dean, whenever he, whenever Augustinson got injured and look at Dean had to go on, they used like a cricket into him. He hadn't even got his pads on. He wasn't even dressed. Yeah, he was nowhere near yeah. ready, he, was he? I mean, that's it. that was the attitude of most, probably that Villa bench. It's like, they're not going to need us today. So they weren't coming on switched on. N- none of them were coming onto that pitch, yeah. like switched on and ready to play. Because at the time anything. they came on, they came in to like, like a tricky enough game, but like, I, but that's I, that's on Emery as well. That's on is, Emery. I'm sorry, you can't. You can give him blow smoke up his ass for beating Manchester United and, and Spurs, but those players, as you as you quite rightly say, were not nowhere near in the frame of mind. So he's just thinking they'd walk this as well. Yeah, look at Dean's a professional. He should be at least dressed on the on the touchline. I mean, I don't think Mings was either, but I mean, they've been told by Emery, look, you're not going to be needed today. You're on the bench just, and it's it's got to the stage where right, we need you, we need you, we need you. Do all, do all five things. Maybe he was only intent to make two or three changes, but whenever, the, especially the latter ones that needed to come on, I mean, I thought Ramsey. You know, it, was, it was it was good to see Ramsey back. That's a, you know, a bit of a plus moving forward, and he kind of got on the ball, and you, you actually thought that was the kind of I was saying at halftime to to Dan next to me that. He's the kind of player we probably need today, but we're trying to pass through the Ivan Needle. You need someone who can actually take it to the line and engage them. You can't just pass around them constantly, especially at that tempo. You need someone who's going to force the issue a little bit. He got a couple of opportunities too, but our passing was just lax. If this was Liverpool or Manchester United, you, you know you're going to get players running at their back four, tempting them, getting them in the in their 18-yard box, running at them, and you know they'd get a penalty at some point. I saw none of that. I think Watkins did it once when he came on. Ramsey had a bit of a go. Bailey tried a couple of occasions. But we, we've looked the last last week. I take the Spurs game out of it because you don't expect us to as much. We didn't engage them in that kind of way. We beat them in a different way. Fine. You didn't see it against Wolves. You didn't see it against Stevenage. Now you're going to play against Leeds on you know Friday night. I think we're going to have problems against Leeds. It's a very and... difficult game, that one. Because they're going to have energy. If, we don't, if we're not at it, you're going to get slapped around. If you take the application and the mentality of what we've just seen against Stevenage... Uh, and for long periods against Wolves. Leeds keep getting draws, so they want a result to turn their tide. And this this could be the one. Yeah, you look at what Leeds did in their FA Cup game, for example. 2-0 down against Cardiff, managing to miss a penalty as well, but still 93rd minute equaliser as well. They're going to be coming yeah. in there on a high. That was the worst case, the, the Stevenage game. It, it can happen magic of the cup and all that kind of nonsense you draw and you go away and you you have to get the job done fine it isn't like Villa should be worrying about fixture congestion don't switch off and concede the second because they've, they've basically embarrassed themselves they've made themselves look very 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 that's three verys foolish yeah because it isn't like it, you know sometimes you'll get a game like that and you'll batter the opposition you'll hit the bar three times goals disallowed all sorts and you're gonna go oh no it's gonna they're gonna get a moment and they'll score and it's just one of those things it's not your day or that is the magic of the cup isn't it you backs to the yeah. wall and nick a goal anybody who's watching that game that was not backs to the wall Villa might have had all the ball. They didn't do anything with it. Their goalie, you know, normally the goalkeeper is man of the match, isn't it? The goalkeeper wasn't man of the match at all. There's a two-way streak here. We felt comfortable in control, but they also looked comfortable defending. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it became a bit of a nothing match really after an hour because they were like, I was thinking, are they going to have a go here? And they must, they didn't really have to have a go because we gifted them the two goals. They never really, because I think if they actually had have opened up and gone for it, we'd have probably pulled them apart. But because we gifted them it, they were just like. We're, this is great. 
their boss Steve Evans post-match said we knew we had to have a good shape about us and they did have mm-hmm. we stayed in the game and the game plan was to stay in the game until 75 minutes I know my lads are fit and I know my lads have hearts the size of Big Ben it's a shame that B- Big Daddy Dunker doesn't have a heart that big as well Emery post-match uh, while we're uh, talking about this uh, yes I'm really shocked the mistake was a big mistake the last five minutes we didn't control our mind it's a message we have to learn and improve we can't think we are better we are Aston Villa I'm upset sorry with our supporters each match gives us information well decode that I, I did like the uh we can't think we are better. We are Aston Villa. <laughs> <He's obviously laughs> we know we're not better. <laughs> we know we're not better than any team. Decoding that he's learning about his players. and But these are things that we know as supporters mm-hmm. in advance. It's part of the Villa DNA, losing to low division teams. Yeah, this is typical Villa. This is, you know, as we said about Emery in the, the last show, he's before he gets to Emery ball, he's got to beat out yeah. the kind of Villa-isms. Front, front, fundamentally, the loser's mentality. Yeah, well, I'm going to bring back the, the ship of Theseus again that we've featured before in this. How many parts <laughs> How many parts of the ship have to be completely replaced before it's a completely different Aston Villa ship? Or to use the only fools and horses example, Trigger's broom. I mean, Trigger yeah, had his broom, broom. For, fi- for 15 years and he replaced 10 shafts and six broom heads on it. And it's still, it's still Aston Villa. I mean, oh. How many more parts do we need? Normally we finish the show with uh, Emery's clipboard, but let's put that on ice until next week. He wrapped the clipboard around Olsen's head so the clipboard is no more. He's got to buy a new one then. <laughs> we'll readjourn with the clipboard next week, but I'm more interested in the ship of uh, Theseus. How many players do we have to buy to rebuild Aston Villa? <laughs> So it is Aston Villa. Well, it's hard, it's Aston hard to judge Villa. on today's team because that is not our starting lineup, is it? Somebody, somebody said Emery needs four transfer windows, but how many players do we need? But if you, if you, if you dial back, remember when we played Stoke? Was it in the League Cup recently where yep. we put out we lost, uh, second string? And you look at that team and you think that should be good enough, but none of the players gave a shit and we mm-hmm. got beat. The team on paper was good enough to win that game. And you think, oh, yeah, we've got depth in our squad. But it's not about how they are uh, in, individually on paper. It was attitude. And uh, they don't give a fuck about these cups, really. I, and I've stopped. Until you get to the business end. I've stopped giving a fuck now. I'm not going to be wasting any time on minor round cup games because I don't trust the club anymore. Well, I haven't for a while. You know, going back from uh, O'Neill to Gerard Houllier, some of the teams they've put out in in cup games that were kind of important to fans and we've yep. been let down. It's like, Bear sorry, in mind, if, if you, if you ask any supporter, ask every supporter what they wanted when Emery arrived. And I'd have said pretty much to a man, most would be saying, I would love a top 10 finish in a cup run. Everyone wanted a cup run because we haven't had one in ages. And, and he came out before the game and went, I really want to win this. And everyone's, and, and all me of a once, sudden, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame yeah. on me. Uh, yeah. Also, it uh, doesn't matter if you've won four Europa League, doesn't really matter to Villa because uh, we don't, you know, we don't care about these cups. If you can't beat Stevenage, you couldn't ask for a better cup draw at home to get Stoke away. Bearing in mind, you look at the way the draws transpired: Newcastle are out, Chelsea are out, City have got to play Arsenal next. We'd be moaning, moaning about having to play Manchester United away all the time, moaning about it, using it as our excuse for not winning the FA Cup for so long. This is the eighth time we've been beaten in the FA Cup consecutively. Our, our record in the FA Cup since we uh, got 
battered by Arsenal in the 2015 final is atrocious. Only one win. That was uh, when in the season we got relegated when we went to Wickham and bloody pissed around and drew and needed a replay. The replay was one of the worst games of football I've ever been to. Yeah. And, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And... uh, from this day forward, I'm not interested in cup games. I only wanted to see Villa win the FA Cup, then I could sign off. But it's the only one I haven't seen them win, but I don't care anymore. It would appear they don't. There's more chance for me to experience Villa FA Cup glory. There's more chance of me inventing a fucking time machine and going back to 1957 than this current crop and, you know, the next few years of Villa winning the FA Cup. Clip I'd like that. to see you in a cloth cap, David. <laughs> Yeah, clip that and play it. Play it to me as if we, we do as we ever walk down Wembley Way next year. But I'll be uh, I'll be clipping uh, the bit where I said I'll, I'll invent the time machine, <laughs> and uh, probably more chance of me uh, putting that up on Twitter. Going, look, I've invented it. Here we go. Here's my TikTok and my time machine. You got AI to build you one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. But this is just disappointing, and I'm, I'm not falling falling for it any ever again. This, uh, but there was something about Emery in the the press conference where he, even with his broken English, that he suggested that this game, you know, they weren't taken that seriously. But you know, later on, they would take the tournament seriously. They just expected to win, and there's no excuse for complacency at this level. Well, it's like that thing that Perslow was talking about first day of the season at Bournemouth. No one saw that coming. Yeah, of course. I don't I don't get it's that. Just like, That's the thing. That's the same mistakes. Yeah, they're reactive. They're not proactive. I mean, they, they don't expect the worst to happen, but they should know by now. It always happens. And if it starts to happen, you flatten it before it does. That's the sign of a good team. It's like Argentina had this in the World Cup. Before going into that World Cup, they had this real uh, good team camaraderie they were like fired up you could tell it from what happened in the Copa America that they had the ability to do this the way they took care of Italy in that uh, Champions of the World game what's it called Finalismo or whatever it's called Finalissima but when you get in that mindset you, you, you got to keep it going and I think the game against the Saudis was a, a real uh, sharpener for them it's like whoa 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 hang on a minute and they I mean, hopefully that's that for became us, but... intensely galvanized after that to uh, finish off the job so it can happen to the best of uh, teams but in our case this is not the case because we're not there we keep doing the same old shit every season in terms of uh, you know the, the, the FA Cup record of eight continuous defeats pays homage to that even though that half of them against Manchester United you got to beat United once at least surely if you're fired up for it but it, nobody cares about this but the problem is, is now I'm a bit cautious about the potential reaction against Leeds because Leeds's trajectory at the moment is that they're desperate for this win they're hungry for this win but also you know because mainly because they're drawing games it's not as if they're getting battered from pillar to post they've got that intensity that's really going to test us it might suit us if they're uh, coming at us a bit more but this is you know Villa let themselves down here and, and you know that can't be uh, understated yeah the, the, yeah the Wolves game can happen you're going to have an off day Stephen it shouldn't be no that's right so it's, it's what this does to the rest of the season because I still remember Fulham beating Gregory's Villa when they were flying top of the league and that was that was the beginning of the death spiral for Gregory's Villa that season oh well Van because they got really they got key injuries that year if you remember 
But uh, in summation, I mean, you didn't really get on the the Coutinho bone that I threw you. Do you think he's a spent force? Because I thought this was basically target practice for him, and he and he just failed. I think having seen a little, we've, we've not a big body of work, but we've seen enough of a body of work now since he's arrived for Emery to suggest that Villa at their best under him aren't going to include Coutinho as a starting player. He's yeah. an option off the bench. He can be tidy. I think when you want to keep the ball, pop it around, get him in advance areas, great. Putting him out wide, pointless. He's got no pace. He slows the game down. Yeah. That's the big thing. He slows the game down. I think Jamie Carragher put it that he's like a five-a-side player. He wants to play in tight little squares. That's great, but it's played. Football's played on a full pitch. I just I don't see when when you've got like Ramsey back, fully fit, McGinn and full flow. Whoever else you bring in, Harry Maguire, <laughs> exactly that straight down the middle. I I I don't see, I don't see his role anymore. Even like fully fit Coutinho, I don't see his role. Yeah, well, I'll just reiterate. I could never believe why uh, a certain club would spend so much money on him. Uh, before Villa bought him, I'm saying. It's because they had more money than sense. Liverpool, fantastic business. Incredible. They, you know, they built a team that would go on to win the Champions League, really, didn't they? And the league, basically. And the league. Yep. That was Coutinho's main contribution uh, in all of this. I think all his trophies that he won with Barker and Bayern Munich, I think they would have won them anyway. Mm-hmm. But but he's hoping for a reaction. Jeez, they've got to, got to have one now. We've come through another three home game week and we've fluffed our lines twice so far. Third time lucky, please. I don't mind if we're in March going still unbeaten in 2023 in the <laughs> league. I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. But I'm a bit concerned now just uh, because a squad that's mentally strong takes care of business. It's not as if they didn't turn up. They, this game was in control. They were 1-0 up and literally a you know, few minutes left. And we've been lauding their improved shithousery and also the effectiveness of Emery in terms of his substitutes, in terms of closing a game down. And he arguably brought on five first-teamers here and it all went to shit when they were all on the pitch. Pretty quickly, might I might add. So this is a loss mm-hmm. for Emery as well. I mean, I know you're not allowed to talk against him uh, in these early stages, but he'll be kicking himself here. He'll learn about some of his players. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. It's uh, it's a tough one to take this. It's, it's more embarrassing for supporters because they have to deal with their work colleagues, taking the piss out of them and family members, etc. These players... The money's in the bank, doesn't really matter. Hopefully we get a reaction against Leeds and we can uh, get out of January unbeaten in the league would be a a big plus. Yep. And get in the top half of the league. So, with our fingers crossed, it's time to say it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.